0: Chapter Seven: The Last Little Story That uh, Definitely Connects to the Story That um, We Looked At Last Week uh, with uh, the Healing of the Lady There, and uh, Now We Have Another Healing. And Just to Remind You uh, Again, Mark's Whole Purpose uh, Was to Proclaim uh, That Jesus Christ Is God. Uh, He Was uh, That If You Look at the Nature of What uh, Mark records and compare it, say, to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or Matthew, Luke, and John, uh, you'll see that uh, the other three uh, have some stories and details that Mark doesn't include uh, because they just didn't fit what he was trying to do. Uh, He was mainly writing to a Roman audience, uh, not a Jewish audience, and was uh, writing to those, again, the Romans who had all kinds of uh, gods. You probably remember some of your uh, mythology lessons in school uh and the Romans had all kinds of gods that they worshipped. They had a whole uh they had a K and W buffet line of gods. Whenever they uh if they needed this, they'd pray over here. If he didn't answer, they'd pray over there and uh they just pick a God. Uh they had, like they had somebody standing out of the church at the Roman church saying, Serve you a God uh and they just picked one. Uh but uh, Mark was trying to convince them that uh that Jesus was the one and only God and by showing uh his uh, marvelous works is what, uh, again, you, you'll notice that if you look closely, uh, if you would read Mark, you can read Mark in one setting, 16 short chapters, uh, you'll see that he has moved from great event to great event, just demonstrating the power of God. And this is one uh, that I'll admit, uh, I struggled a little bit, exactly, again, I know the general reason why Mark uh, gave us this story, but I struggled uh, probably as much as I have in a while. Uh, trying to, to really uh, pick out the, the, the main reason why Mark told us this story. Uh, and to be honest with you, it's a weird one. Uh, and uh, I'd like to clean that up. You probably don't want your preacher to tell you it's a weird one. It's a weird one. We'll see in a minute. Uh, it's strange uh, exactly what Jesus does here as he interacts with uh, this man who is deaf. Uh, and uh, so we'll uh, look at that and uh, hopefully we can uh, make some sense of this story and uh, we'll learn a little something as Jesus helps this, uh, this hurting man. Uh, as uh, we start into it, uh, the first thing we've got to deal with uh, is the man's condition. We've got to talk for a moment uh, about exactly what was going on. Uh, with this man before we get to what Jesus does before we get to the results uh, We need to uh, talk for just a moment about uh, the situation with uh, this man the Bible tells us in uh, verse 32 uh, says they let me back up verse 31 uh, Tells us something that uh, is important, uh, but we just really don't know why it's important uh, Jesus uh, if, if uh, Jesus did the equivalent uh, of If we left here uh, going to Charlotte and went through Salisbury to get there, Uh, as he traveled, uh, he goes kind of in a horseshoe uh, and takes the long way around. Uh, what we don't know uh, is what all happened in that extra uh, little journey. He took uh, what was probably about a 20-mile journey and made it into about a 120-mile journey. Uh, And uh, I'm pretty sure uh, that there were some interesting things that took place there uh, that we don't have recorded in Scripture. Uh, But he eventually arrived. Uh, at his uh, target here and when he gets there uh, we see that the Bible tells us they being uh, some friends much like we see uh, several stories in the Bible the friends who uh, brought the man to Jesus and dropped him down through the roof we see several occasions where friends uh, bring someone uh, to meet Jesus it says they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech We all, I think, uh, understand uh, something about uh, what was going on here. We have uh, interacted with people over uh, our lifetime who had uh, perhaps a similar situation, that uh, they had hearing problems that then translated into speech problems as well. Uh, I don't know all the ins and outs and don't claim to, uh, but... uh, the, the medical uh, folks and the audiologists tell us, uh, again, especially as someone who's been uh, deaf since an early age, that by not hearing language, they often then have a difficult time speaking as well. Uh, and so this man is uh, in that uh, condition. His uh, And this was... Uh, a, a horrible uh, handicap uh, it would be today especially was uh, in those days we uh, today we uh, again I, I don't want to minimize it by any uh, stretch of the imagination uh, especially considering I don't hear well uh, but um, uh, we know uh, common sense uh, tells us that we have made advances we have uh, hearing devices we have surgery we've developed sign language uh, we have uh, abilities and things to help someone uh, who might find himself in this condition. This man uh, was cut off from society. This man uh, was uh, separated. He was uh, in his uh, own world. They were, uh, they were considered, a, uh, people like this were considered to be, uh, in a uh, special uh, special class of people uh, we uh, uh, most of us I think uh, probably kind of relate uh, deafness to blindness and, and again I don't want to minimize either, I, I don't want to have either uh, but uh, people who have uh, suffered with it, medical people uh, have, as I have studied uh, and read about this say that and uh, again a special in their day, uh, that deafness uh, was worse, uh, or it was worse than blindness, because uh, of the stigma that was uh, associated with uh, the deafness. And uh, again, uh, I don't know that uh, if we haven't been there. Uh, I can't identify with it, uh, but just again going on what I have uh, studied and read about it, that uh, that uh, deafness was uh, or is worse uh, than blindness. And uh, as I thought about what I read about the two, uh, I, I understand. Where they're coming from, uh, most of the time, uh, and part of the reason they say that uh, is because most of the time someone who is blind, it is obvious what is wrong. Uh, it, it is obvious you can uh, tell by looking at their eyes, you can tell uh, again, whether it's the the dog or, or their uh, their walking stick or uh, you, you can just tell uh, that there's something wrong uh, and still, even when they are blind, you can ask them a question and they can respond. They can hear what you're saying. They can tell you what the problem is. Uh, the reason that some, and uh, again, I, I, I don't know, and I don't want to minimize either, uh, but that the reason that, uh, that um, many say that deafness is worse is because it's not typically visible. Uh, you, you, can be, you can be talking to someone uh, who is deaf and they don't know it. You can be hollering at them, you can be calling their name, and they don't know, they just continue to walk. Uh, And and so there's uh, kind of a stigma, so so people, uh, they they think that, uh, many times, think that those who who cannot hear, uh, perhaps, are, that there's something mentally wrong with them, uh, because many times it is connected to uh, a a speech impediment as well. And and so, uh, again. I don't want to I don't want either and I pray nobody here uh, I, I'm just telling you what I have read and, and studied as, as looking at this passage that uh, generally uh, this idea uh, of, uh, of deafness is considered to be a uh, the, the social pain the stigma uh, of, of deafness seems to be uh, looked at uh, worse and uh and again you, you always had to throw in uh in their day especially and probably to some extent even today uh that anybody who had something like this was, that was wrong uh, the idea was, uh, you know, what have you done? What sin have you committed to have this come on to you? Uh, what have you done? What did your parents do? Uh, you know, what, what, you know, why are you that way? Not, you know, you you, you had some kind of uh, issue at birth or whatever. But generally, uh, if you, you know, deafness or blindness, it was uh, what sin uh, have you? Committed, And in this case, again, not only that, this man, to add to not being able to hear what was being said to him, he couldn't ask questions. He he couldn't talk either. He had uh, a a speech impediment. And and, and, and probably to make it worse, uh, the the words that are used there and the way it's described does not appear. you, You know, there are other cases where the Bible might mention and say, this man was lame from birth. Uh, This doesn't say he's been deaf from birth. This appears to be something that has developed in his lifetime. So he knows uh, what he used to hear and now uh, he he can't hear. Uh, and, And most likely because he couldn't hear, because he couldn't speak, he probably couldn't read this man was isolated and cut off from society Uh, and uh, the the truth of scripture ultimately, this man couldn't go into the temple uh, and and hear uh, the word, he couldn't hear about the Messiah, he couldn't uh, participate uh, at uh, at the temple he was just, again, he was cut off completely uh, from society and as I said there were probably a lot of folks who looked and said, well, as much as they did with Jonah when his, when his good friends uh, came around him and, and asked him, you know, what you do wrong? How come you got to do this? God doing this to you? Uh, and, and so there were those who looked at this man and, and, and believed that he perhaps was uh, a sinner or, or demon possessed. Uh, to say the very least, uh, my point is this. This man's situation was pretty much helpless and hopeless. This man, especially in those days, was pretty well cut off from all of society. Very unlikely to be able to have any real form of uh, of, of labor to, to, to earn an income. Very unlikely that he, there's a very good chance that his own family had kind of shunned him off because of his situation. Very good opportunity, very good chance that his neighbors, he obviously had some friends, uh, but very good chance this man was pretty well ostracized from all elements of society because of his condition. He was in all likelihood uh, done this. And and the Bible here uh, gives us this story. Uh, Mark kind of weaves in here. as As I look. For why exactly was Mark giving us this story? Uh, Again, it's a unique story. We're going to get into the the real unique part in just a minute. Uh, Why was Mark giving us this picture? And as I looked at that and thought about that, and the more I I prayed and I labored over this, the, the, the answer that I came to... And, and some may disagree, some scholars may disagree, some do agree. Uh, and, and, but generally, if you, if you do much study on this passage, most people just kind of, uh, you'll find a very short commentary because this passage is, uh, again, a little bit um, difficult to, uh, to see all the, the ins and outs. But here's what I, as I thought about this, this man is a perfect picture of someone outside of Jesus Christ. This man is a perfect picture of someone who doesn't know Christ. They're cut off. They're separated. They're spiritually deaf. They're unable to communicate. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear me. They're unable to communicate. We're often guilty in the church as believers of telling people, oh, you just need to pray about it. There's only one problem with that statement. If they're not a believer, if they're not a child of God, the only prayer God hears from that person is a cry for salvation. This man represents someone without Christ. Someone outside of Jesus. Someone who is cut off from all that is good and all that is right this man was helpless this man was hopeless think about it it's an ideal the perfect picture of someone who is outside of christ this man was outside of society this man was outside uh, of the network uh, of everything good that was going on he didn't go to the concerts in the park he didn't go to the uh, to, to the church services and hear the preacher he was isolated and cut off And and the picture I want you to gather this morning is I want you to understand, and, and, and the church so desperately needs to understand this in our day and age. We need to understand and recognize this truth. Our lost friends are not good people, just kind of misguided. They are lost without Jesus Christ. They are separated from God. I've been to funeral after funeral where God bless them for trying, but some poor misguided preacher gets up and tries to preach that lost man into heaven. You been to those funerals? I hope you hadn't been to one idea that you'd say that about. I've been, I've told you before, I've been in funerals where the preacher get up and say so so many glowing, wonderful words, I want to get up and go open a box and make sure I'm at the right funeral. Listen, someone outside of Christ is this man. I'm not commenting on his spiritual condition. I'm commenting on the representation. This man is... A representative of our friends and loved ones who don't know Christ. I'm sure he was a good man. The Bible doesn't say he ever robbed a liquor store. The Bible doesn't say he bounced bad checks all over town. The Bible says he was helpless and hopeless. I've got good friends. You've got good friends. I've got family. You've got family who are good people. I know some folks who are better people just on the moral side of things than many people who claim to be Christian. Let me tell you what happens to good people They don't know Jesus. They die lost and they spend an eternity in hate. And you and I, if you are a believer, can I bet you, challenge you, encourage you. And I know this is hard. But to start looking at, at your friends and your loved ones and your family and quit trying to say, oh, he's a good guy if you just know him. He probably is. He would probably give me the shirt off his back. He would probably come help me change a flat tire beside the road. He would probably let me stay in his house if I was homeless. But he doesn't know Jesus. Can I get real? Just get in there and grind on that a minute. Folks, we need to look at our own family. Our own children, grandchildren, brothers, sisters, fathers, fathers. They may have gave you life. Maybe your children who will choose your rest home. And you want to think the best of them. And I hope they're good people. I hope they're honest. I hope they work. I hope they're good to their spouse. I hope they're good to their children. But if they don't know Christ, friends, they are lost, and they need Jesus. There's no way to slice it. You can't clean that up. You can't make, listen, and it is what it is. This man, there's no indication he was anything other than a good man. But his condition made him helpless and hopeless. A lot of good people, family, friends, co-workers who are helpless and hopeless because they are spiritually blind and deaf. They do not know Christ. Which brings us to the second point in this story. Look what happens. You have the man's condition, but then look what uh, you see. His friends didn't just say, well, like, like a lot of times we do things. You know how we often do. Uh, we often look and say somebody ought to do something. Somebody ought to do something. Kevin and Jack are sitting over here. They've they, they worked in grocery stores. Kevin's like, Kevin's older than food line. He goes back to food time. Yeah. That's how long he's been there. Yeah, And I'll guarantee you, both of them have watched and if you paid attention, you've seen this. I, I, I saw it delivering bread. I saw it happen on numerous occasions. Somebody would come in the front door of the store, and that mat leg there, it'll get kicked over. It'll be rolled up. And people will walk in the store. Kevin, I'll lie them down. It happens all the time, doesn't it? They'll walk in the store, look back at it, and keep walking. Won't even take the time to kick it over. Listen, nine times out of ten, you don't have to get down there and straighten it up. i will not you to sweep you Just give it a good kick. It'll flop back down where it goes. Somebody else will get it. Somebody else will do it. Somebody ought to do something. I wouldn't even be surprised. Kevin and Jackie both probably tell us there have been times in, in, in their career where somebody came to them and said, hey, that rug slipped over. You need to go fix it. Wouldn't kick it over on their own. Notice what this passage says. They bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him. I said last week, we don't use that word besought, beseech very often. We've used it twice here in about three verses. They beg him to put his hand on it. They beg him to put his hand on it. Listen to what happened. We describe this man's condition. He is helpless and he is hopeless. You understand that this man in his condition in all likelihood didn't even know Jesus was in town? This man in all likelihood did not even know that healing was right over there. He'd never heard about Jesus. He'd never heard about his miracles. He hadn't heard that Jesus was in town. This man in his condition didn't even know that help was available. As far as he knew, he would be deaf till the day he died. He had no comprehension that help was available, that help was just right over there. He didn't even know Jesus was in town in all likelihood. But it is highly unlikely. How would he have known? Even, you say, well, he would have seen him. Okay. He wouldn't have known him. Never heard about him. This man is helpless and hopeless with hope and help just outside his front door. The only chance this man had for a future, the only man, this chan- uh, chance, this man had was for they. And I, I always get nervous when people start talking about they. You know, if, if, if you don't know, one of the things that pastors hear on a regular basis is they are saved. And if you've ever come to me and said they are saved or they won't, the first question you got back was, "Well, they? Who is that? You and who is. They make me nervous. But in this case, they did a good thing. They took a man who was helpless and hopeless and brought him and connected him to the greatest help and the greatest hope ever to walk. This man didn't know help was available. He didn't know help was there. We, we, again, The Greek word here, uh, again, that that is used again is they they came and they begged Jesus to help. They begged Jesus to do something. They begged him to to, come. This man, even if he would have known Jesus was there somehow, he couldn't talk. And so he couldn't even go to Jesus and say, Jesus, can you help me? Are you, you tracking with me this morning? Do you understand the condition of your lost loved ones and your lost friends? All of us on occasion have thought to ourselves how, if you're a believer, you are in all life. I can imagine that anybody hasn't sometime had this, some form of this thought. As sweet as it is to be saved. As wonderful as it is to be a child of God, I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't want to be saved. You ever thought that? I just can't imagine why anybody wouldn't want to know Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Highly to you. Again, I don't get commission for the books I read uh, or, or recommend. I wish I did. Um, maybe I could pay for some of the ones I got. It's called Evangelism in Exile, and the whole point of the book is talking about the fact that as believers, we're in a foreign world. We're living in a different world than many of you in here grew up in. We are living in what is called a post. What the the the, the those who study things, they call what we live in a post-Christian society. Post. Do you remember your English words. That means after. We don't live in a Christian society anymore. We live in a post. We used to, most of us grew up in a Christian society, but we've grown out of it. We live in a world that's not Christian anymore. We live in a world where Christian morals and Christian ethics and Christian beliefs, Christian systems are not the normal and are not accepted. We live in a world where you have to decide whether or not you are a boy or a girl. You have to... We live in that kind of world. You and I need to understand that our friends and loved ones... It, most of them, it's not that they're just simply saying, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. And I know there's some like that. Don't get me wrong. Most of our friends, our family, our coworkers are not shaking their fist in the hand of God saying, I don't want anything to do with God. Go away, God. I don't believe in that. Just get away from me. Most of them, be honest. And, and it may be hard for you to accept because you've heard it most of your life. But many of them are like this deaf man. They've never heard. I know some of you are saying, that's not right. Yes, it is. I told you about our insurance man knocking on doors and asking someone, do you know Jesus? And the lady stood there and looked at him for a moment. He said, I believe he lives down the street there. You see the compassion is bringing. They didn't look at him and criticize him because he was deaf, wonder why he was deaf, wonder why he didn't do something about being deaf. They took the man to get his deafness dealt with. We need to quit looking at people, trying to understand why they reject Christ. Why they're not a Christian. Why they don't want anything to do with Jesus. Why they don't want anything to do with salvation. Quit worrying about it. That doesn't matter. If I could tell you today, this is why Joe Blow doesn't accept Christ. Would that make you happy? Would that change his condition one bit? It doesn't matter why this man was dead. Doesn't matter whether it was sin or demon possession. Doesn't matter if he was playing with pencils in kindergarten and jabbed them into his eardrums. Doesn't matter. This man can't hear and he needs to be healed. Our lost loved ones and friends, I don't know why they're lost. I don't know why they choose to stay lost. I can't answer for that. But what we do have to answer for is whether or not we've been compassionate enough to take them and tell them about Jesus. Then you see the Savior's conduct. It's just our job to get them to Jesus. It's just that they got him to Jesus. And in Jesus, it's a unique story that Jesus takes him aside. Now to my knowledge, it's the only place where we see something like that happen. I don't know. Is Jesus being compassionate to the man? He's already been embarrassed enough. Did he just not want to stir up a great big crowd? He, he didn't want to be a didn't want healing to be a sideshow. But he takes the man aside and he puts his fingers in his ear. And I will tell you that. The Greek word that is used there for put his fingers in his ears is jammed his fingers in his ears. Mm. Jammed them in his ears. It gets worse. He spit and touched his tongue. Yeah, it is what it is. Pooey and laid his hand on his tongue. I see some of you sitting here going, I'd just soon not be able to talk. I know some of you are German folks. Some of you are thinking, I'd just soon, just stick your fingers in my ears and we'll leave the speech for later. But he spits on his hand and he touches his hand, touches his tongue. He looks up to heaven and sighs and he says unto him, Ephah, that is, be opened, and straightway his ears were open, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain, and he charged them, no one should tell. They should tell no man. But the more he charged them so much, the more a great deal they published. Look at the healing. I want you to understand a couple of things about what happened. Oh, Jesus was the healer. Man's helpless and hopeless. His friends bring him to Jesus, but can I? point out something to you? This man had to cooperate in his healing. If I walked up to you and I started toward your normal like this, you'd probably jump back, wouldn't you? Swap my hands, something that probably get you attention. Of course, now, most of you in here old enough to know about Will. Well, it's been a, a years. here. I've done do that and stuck it on my tongue, but that's a different story for a different day. But, not only that, stick out your tongue. Do you see something important in this story? This man had to cooperate. His friends brought him there, but he had to make a choice. He had to make a decision. He had to stand there and let Jesus, again the word, jam his fingers in his ears. He had to open up his mouth. I don't know about you, but even if you had not spit on his hand, I'd have been a little lamb I don't even like dentists. And they got on gloves and helmets and everything else. Pooey. This man had to cooperate. He had to be part of it. He had to be willing. Listen, here's something that I, you need to understand. I've been mainly speaking here to believers about getting their friends to Jesus. I want you to understand something. Hear me well this morning. If you're in this room, if you're listening to us online, and you don't know Jesus Christ, I can drag you to church every day of the week from now until Jesus comes. I can drag you in. We'll bring you in here. We'll let you sleep here. We'll let you stay here. We'll let you eat here. You can sleep here. You can stay here. When you die here, we'll bury you here. But somewhere along the way, you've got to decide to let Jesus do His work. We'll pray for you, we'll preach to you, we'll sing to you, we'll do everything we know to do. We'll tell you about Jesus, we'll tell you how to be saved, but somewhere along the way, you have to be willing to be opened. You have to be willing. To allow Jesus to do His work. Let's talk about His work real quick. Look at the details uh, of what happens here in, in this passage. Now, and, and as weird as that seems, what we just read. Let me just kind of... Because some of you are still a little weirded out over the whole jamming your fingers in the ears, and spitting on your fingers. If somebody from that day and age came to our day and age. And saw some of our doctors and nurses and that get up and the, the mask and the rubber gloves and all that stuff. And they saw them sticking sticks in their mouth and going well say, ah, you know. And they saw them with the whatever that thing is, stethoscope, and, and yeah. I grew up, I'm still looking for one. The doctor I grew up with, I, I love him to death. Uh, I, I delivered me, took care of me. Uh, and, and if he was still living and he saw me today, I'm two foot taller than him, outweighing by 150 pounds. He'd say, how you doing, baby boy Jim? And i just look at him like, stop. Oh. But I'm still looking for one. He'd put that stethoscope on you and he'd say, say 99. 99, 99, 99. I need a doctor. I've asked my doctor, would you just do that and make me happy? Just let me say 99. Can you imagine somebody from their day coming forward and going into a doctor's office today? They'd think we lost our ever-loving mind. Here, let me give you a shot. You lost your mind. Think about it. It may seem weird to us, but remember the difference in the time. Look what Jesus does here. We see in this passage several things that Jesus does. As you uh, look at it, first of all, you see the sigh. Mark says, Jesus breathed a deep sigh. There's a lot of question about why Jesus what that sigh meant. You know what I tend to believe? The Bible doesn't tell us, so I'm just, you preach next week, you can tell us what you think the sigh means, but this week it's my turn. I believe the sigh was Jesus' broken heart over the condition of this man. I believe Jesus was groaning in his soul, in his spirit, at this man. And the effect of, listen, I'm not saying the man was a sinner, but I am saying that the deafness and the speech impediment was ultimately the effect of sin of seeing of downfall of man all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Jesus was brokenhearted, I believe, and groaned at this man's condition. I tell you something this morning. Jesus, I believe still today, is groaning over the condition of lost man. I know he cares because he cared enough to go to the cross. We see this sign. Again, I can't tell you 100% sure that that's why he did it. But I believe he was just simply disturbed and distressed at what he saw. Then the touch. I I, would admit with anybody. It was an odd thing. That's strange. But I was saying, genuinely, it's strange. Listen, I want to remind you something. Our Jesus, our Savior, bless him. Never stepped back. Never recalled from touching the lives of people. Even the leper, the blind, the deaf, didn't matter. The world said they were unclean. The Jews wouldn't get near him with a 10-foot pole. Jesus went and sat down and dined with the Pharisees and the scribes. Oh, if his church, if his people, would only have a little bit more of that attitude towards the lost and the dying and the hurting. You see his touch. You see the word. F-R. Be open Be open I, I don't know where your imagination is, how your ability to envision things are. But will you humor me for a moment? I can see. Jesus and that man standing there and those words almost like you might see in a cartoon Bo, those words coming out of Jesus' mouth and simultaneously going in those ears into that brain and I can see that brain firing. I, can you see it? Can you see those hammer and anvil in the ears, the eardrums? you ear, seeing those eardrums come back together and be whole? Can you see that tongue? The Bible says the string was taken off. I can see the tongue tangled up there and twist it up, and all of it just lays down. And a simple word, and Father, be open. The word. The word from Jesus' mouth did what all of medical science to this day cannot do the word of jesus christ can cleanse and clean the vilest sinner wash him and make him white as snow bible says our own righteousness is filthy As dirty rags. At my very best. I'm filled. The simple word. Of the Savior. Washes me. White as snow. He can do the same. For you. He can do the same for your friend. He can do the same for your love. Something that all of Christianity, all of religion, all the churches in the world cannot do, Jesus Christ can do with a word. With a word. Look what the Bible tells us then in verse 37. And we're beyond measure. The crowd is confession. Look what they say about Jesus. Crowds, confession, they were beyond measure. They were out of their minds, is what it says. They were beyond measure astonished. You couldn't even measure the astonishment in these people's face. See, I have this picture. The Bible says that Jesus took him aside. Now, I don't know what aside means, but again, humor me in my imagination. I imagine Jesus taking him around the corner of a building, out of the sight of the crowd, pop, pop, and sending him back. And when he came back around the corner, listen, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I just got to believe. You just leave my imagination alone. Don't mess with me. I'm happy believing what I believe. I believe this man came running back around the corner, shouting to the top of his lungs those birds I hear? And the people, their astonishment couldn't be measured. And look what they say. He hath done all things well. He hath done all things well. Hear me this point. This crowd, this multitude of people who had gathered, probably everybody in the village by now has gathered. They had no idea what they were coming to see. Many of them, probably like Amalek chasers today, didn't have any idea what the wreck was about. They just wanted to see. It. Saw the crowd gathering. They went and gathered. And then they recognized this man, who they've known all their life, come running around the corner, shouting, probably couldn't shut him up. And you couldn't measure their astonishment. And to a man, they said, He has done all things well. Humor me a little more. When that man came back around the corner, shouting at the top of his lungs, going, somebody say something. I just want to try out my new ears. They had to be one of two things. And we've seen both of them. There were times, and we've talked about them as we journeyed through the gospel of Mark, when Jesus healed, when Jesus did great miracles, and the audience there said what? He does this by the power of Beelzebub. That was an option they had. I suppose they could have said it's a fluke. He was never really deaf to start with, but they all knew better than that. they know him his whole life. Or they could say, This man, he does all things well. The evidence demands a verdict. Everyone there had to decide at that moment what they were going to do with Jesus Christ. They had to decide at that moment he's God or he's a liar. They had to choose. He's God or he's a faker. They knew there was no way that anything else could help this man in the condition he was in. He that does all things well, or he's the biggest man to ever live. You, my friends, have to make a decision about Jesus Christ. He that does all things well or he You hear this morning, and you would say, well, I'm a believer. I know Jesus Christ personally. Great. Well, then you'd have to agree that he does all things well. Well, if he does all things well, then why aren't we taking our helpless and hopeless friends to see Jesus? he does all things well, why aren't we introducing our children, our friends, our loved ones to him? We'll tell somebody about a new restaurant that gave us good food and good service. We'll tell somebody about a good doctor. We'll tell somebody about a good car dealer. Will we tell them about somebody who does all things well. ought to be a friend like these friends that take our helpless and hopeless friends to the feet of Jesus. You're sitting here this morning and God's laid somebody in your heart. He's put their face right in front of you. And you know, or you, at least as far as you know, they don't know Jesus Christ. Can I ask you, what have you done to get them to Jesus? The more important this morning, You're sitting here and you're like the deaf man. You came in this building. You joined us online. You're helpless and hopeless. You don't know Jesus Christ. If you die today, you're going to die lost. You know you're far from God. I did my very best this morning. I don't know what else I could do but get down on my hands and knees and beg to introduce you to Jesus. The one who does all things well. The one who died on the cross shed his blood so you can be saved. Now you've got to make a decision. What will you do? Are you like this this man? Will you open up your mouth? Will you open up your ears? Will you allow Jesus to come in and do his work? Can you imagine how sad a story this would be? Knowing what we know. And they, these friends brought this young man to Jesus. And when Jesus reached up to touch his ears, he put his hands over his ears. And Jesus reached for his mouth like a child of a dentist. Knowing what we know, wouldn't that be a terrible, terrible story? Will you allow Jesus to come in? Will you ask him in your heart today? He does all things well. There are people sitting all over this room who know Jesus Christ personally. And I'm going to go out, this isn't planned. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, is there anybody in this room who would raise your hand and say, I regret. I'm sorry. I ever asked Jesus Christ into my life. For those of you online, not a hand in the room went up. I've never met anybody who said I was regret today. He does all things well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for allowing us to be here to see this man. God, I pray now that you throw my words by the wayside. And just like with this man, your word would penetrate hearts. God, there are believers here who need to get a little compassion. Who have friends, family, loved ones, I maybe mean, even children, grandchildren. We don't put the cross. God, give our hearts we'll have compassion for Jesus. Praying for Jesus. God, for the one that's here today and what's doing us online, they're like this man. God, they're hopeless. They're helpless. They're lost. God, we you convict their heart, the day they meet, the day they salvation. We you do all things well. Which in Jesus' name I pray as you're collecting uh those boxes we we'll bring them back uh, again there you had it in the book There's some still there's some copies on the table back there uh, again several rules have changed about what can be in the boxes uh, again i don't know all the ins and outs but no candy at any time uh, used to be no chocolate now it's just no candy um, no toothpaste um, and i do think i saw somewhere where the reason for that is is in some places they're taking the toothpaste out and in some places, the adults are taking the toothpaste, splitting the toothpaste out, putting explosives in the toothpaste. Um, and so no toothpaste. Um, and um, but several other items can have changed. So uh, if you want to bring those by, you know, help, you'll, you'll be able to tell you what time uh, they're going to uh, be here collecting those boxes. And uh, you can come and uh, hang out uh, with them and collect boxes. I uh, also remind you that next Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock, uh, we will have our uh, annual Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, everybody uh, is welcome, like a friend, pregnant and We can start getting in here so that we can uh, meet them and talk to them. And uh, let see that uh, all these things are not horrible. Um, so uh, we we'll do that next, uh, next Sunday afternoon at 5. Uh, we're going to provide uh, the turkeys. Uh, if you want anything else, uh, we have, I saw somebody right here, We have that venison. What are you this year? No. No? <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, if you want some, it's about four up there, even five. Uh, <laughs> everywhere up there, even five. Uh, you can you go know, that all you want. Uh, but um, remember that uh, next Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. All right, let's pray. We just this today. Father, we thank you for taking us, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to gather here this morning. The witnesses we leave here. Uh, take your word and apply uh, to our hearts. Change us. Listen to the uh, people you have to do. we would be like these friends. Uh, Having compassion on our lost loved uh, ones. We'll be honored and glorified for all that you, you need. Amen. <laughs>